You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another, a special edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I'm going to bring in the assistant editor of Bears Wire. That's Brennan Chagru. If you want to find Brennan on Twitter, it's at Brennan Chagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Now, Jack Wright is also with us. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, it's at BearDownJack. So, boys, we're not going to talk sponsors. We're not going to banter because we have the guest. The one I, – I know I say this a lot, that I'm an excitable person, and I have an especially special reason to be excited. Um, Sarah Spain is in the house. Boys, like as I'm looking through her incredible resume – I mean, let's 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 go through it. Cornell, like that in and of itself, right? So she's incredibly smart. ESPN, ESPN 1000, ESPN W, Sports Center, WGN. She was a one-time host of Chicago's Best, a Peabody Award winner, an Emmy Award winner, and was part of the ownership team for the Chicago Red Stars. Like, I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, it's Sarah Spain time. Are we, should we do this? Are we going to do this? Let's. All right, let's bring in our very special guest, Sarah Spain, to the show. Sarah, welcome. How are you? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm loving the enthusiasm out of Ryan. Not so sure about Jack and Brandon yet. The uh, the dude, let's, I guess. Uh, You know, we'll see if I can live up to the uh, increasingly I appear appear to be higher standards of those two guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sarah, we've been fans of you for for many, many years. I mean, I've, you know, I was I was talking with these guys. I mean, you and I have had like Twitter interactions for like the last 10 years or so randomly. I mean, I remember obviously your days at 1000 uh, doing the pre or doing the uh, sports center hits with Waddle and Sylvie and just, yeah. you know, seeing your star, just how like how much you've shined since then. Um, so no, we're really yeah. excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. So Sarah, talk to us a little bit. I know you've got a book in the works. Like what's going on? How, how's life treating you these days? What's what's going on in the world of Sarah Spain? Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, I've fallen prey this year to the uh, trying to concoct an end of year introspective post. Uh, usually, I roll my eyes at a lot of those, but it felt like a year for that because for the first time in about thirteen years, I had a, a different kind of thing going on. Every other year, it's just been sort of like re up my contract. Things are going great. Um, this year, I wanted to get out of nightly radio, and when I did that, it sort of led to getting out of other stuff that I didn't necessarily want to get out of. Um, so my contract changed. I started looking around, figuring out like what else do I want to do and where do I want to be if not just ESPN, which is where I've been for 13 years. Um, so re-signed with ESPN, fo- focusing on ESPNW, and thankfully there was a book deal a couple years ago, and um, came back around with a different publisher, a, a better advance, and suddenly I had the time to do it, which is something I've always wanted to do, but kind of looked around and thought, when am I going to write a book when I have a podcast and a radio show and a TV show and all the other stuff? Um, 
So the book is due in a couple weeks. I'm rounding the finish line and it's an expansion of a story I did for E60 and a written version a couple years ago for ESPN about Dylan McCullough, who's now a coach at Notre Dame was at the um, Kansas City Chiefs at the time. So if you didn't read the story the first time around, go find it. Uh, it's called Runs in the Family. I don't want to give the spoiler alert to the big surprise that happens, but it's just an insane story. I can't believe it fell in my lap because a friend of mine played college ball with uh, Dylan. And uh, if the book sucks, it is entirely my fault. Uh, <laughs> it is such a good story that it will be entirely my bad if the book sucks. No pressure. So <laughs> uh, excited to look for it. This is going to be a big change of gears here. This question. I, I, I know the more than mean thing is something that really impacted me a lot. And I know it's probably got to be hard to articulate, but I know you've done it so many times. What is it like being a woman, breaking into that barrier, you know, talking football, talking sports? Like, what was that like for you? I do talk about it a lot. And the nice thing is, I will say that when I talk to young women now who are trying to get in the biz, I do say that it's much better. Um, I usually say the ceiling is higher than ever. You can really do almost any job, ownership, play-by-play, -play, color, management, coaching, you know, analyst, all that stuff. But the basement is kind of the same, meaning that when you get started, you're going to have to go through a lot of the same stuff. Um, sexual harassment, disrespect, people not believing that you're in it for the right reasons, people not believing that you care or know your stuff. And also, like, one of the things that I think isn't recognized nearly as much is the context in which you are raised and grow up. Um, means that sometimes even if you are super talented and you you know your stuff and you care a lot, you're still not set up for success the same way that a lot of guys are. I mean, I think about growing up, I was a three-sport athlete. I got recruited for all of them in college. I was a massive Chicago Bulls fan. Every Christmas, every birthday, I just wanted Jordan stuff, Bulls stuff. I read the papers every day. I watched every single game. And it wasn't until I was in my early 20s in LA trying to do comedy and acting and hosted a fake Chicago Bears show for a TV hosting class that the teacher said, oh, do you want to be in sports? And I was like, no, there's no women in sports. And the ones that are don't get to be funny. They all look like beautiful Aaron Andrews supermodels. Like I never, never even occurred to me. And I'm not making that up. Um, I just think if you spend, an, like my parents don't really care about sports. They like playing them and they were supportive of me, but they don't sit around and watch them at all. And so they didn't think, let's foster this love of sports. There's a career in there somewhere. Um, so I think a lot of young women, they don't have that constant feeding and conversation and people wanting to talk to them about it or, 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 or get interested in, in, in their potential career in it. So that is, needs to be talked about more. And I think it's definitely getting better. There are so many more women that are visible in it, but I mean, I could go on forever. Almost every single woman I know has been sexually harassed at times to the point of losing a job or not being able to work somewhere as a result of threats from somebody. You know, most of them don't report, myself included, because we don't want our entire career to be ruined and sidetracked by being that girl that accused that guy that everybody already knows. Um, and then going into locker rooms, especially when I was just starting my career, I was completely disrespected. I had someone in the Blackhawks locker room tell the PR person I must be sleeping with the players because I was giving they were giving me better answers, even though I'd only been there for two weeks. I don't think they even knew my name yet. Um, I had people commenting on my clothes, but it was both ways. If it was too sexy, then I was trying to sleep with the players. If I didn't look good enough, it was why am I on TV? I look fat and ugly. I mean, there's just a million things. And in the meantime, you're trying to know all the things about all the sports all the time. So um, it's hard. It's worth it, in my opinion. But I have a really thick skin um, and I feel really I have a lot of empathy for women who try to come up who um, are dealing with mental health issues or anything else that makes those things harder to just accept. 
So kind of going along those lines and seeing how how your star has really shined and how you've changed so much from just, you know, going on local sports radio to be becoming national, doing podcasts, um, obviously around the horn. Like what's one thing that maybe you wish more people understood about the sports business or sports media business? Oh, oh my gosh, there's so many. Um I think one of them would be most people in the sports business don't actually have it out for your team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think also I have a really unique perspective in the sense that when I started out, I was local. So I was focused only on Chicago sports and I did have some like, kind of like, side eye for some of the national people. I remember I still talked to Dan Lebetard and Stu Gatz about the first time I heard them. The It was Stu Gatz, or maybe it was, was Lebetard asking somebody why they had a Waddle jersey and being like, but why Tom Waddle of all people? Like just ripping out of me being like, those guys were a-holes. I hate them. And then I started working with them. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, but I think that's part of it is like, then I went on to national and I realized like, you got to know so many things about so many teams And so the local people might know a little bit more than you, but they're also clouded in their judgment because they're so focused on that. So you're going to get incredible insight, but you're also going to have this give and take of like, is someone nationally, first of all, sometimes are they just looking at box scores and not watching the game? And so is their opinion of your favorite player probably not influenced enough by by actually watching it? Or are you so buried in your fandom that you can't see past um, what you hope for the player that you're watching and take an honest criticism from, from somebody out there? So I think people just freak out about everything, which I get it. I love the passion, but most people are not giving opinions because they really want your team to suck or they're mad. Um, they just are being giving their opinion, which everybody's got one. They're like buttholes, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. I'm doing a really good job so far. I'm not saying you, you've done a ph- phenomenal job. <laughs> I feel like, first of all, I need to set the record straight, Sarah, that I am excited that you are on without question. <laughs> I have a daughter who's a junior soccer player and a tennis player. Oh, nice. So I just love, you know, having the ability to like point to you and say, see, look, look, here's a woman in sports who's like excelling so that's I great to, and then also Shout out to tom waddle, of course tom waddle because he's of like the best tom waddle. <laughs> leads the league in smelling salts what's not to like exactly. <laughs> he is the best of, best of guys so what's next for you what's the next chapter look like for you sarah well i gotta finish this book um which is terrifying although i'm in a groove now when i started i was like this was a big mistake wow and then once i got in a groove i was like okay i'm figuring it out but suddenly going from talking to people all day to being by yourself all day for hours and then spending a full year on something a year plus and then just turning it and being like hope it doesn't suck otherwise I wasted a whole year of my life um and telling a real story about a person and their family and and all the things that come with that is is you know it's it's hard but so that is going to be once I turn in the manuscript and the original draft then it's editing and revising and all the other stuff and then hopefully publishing and promoting and all that I'm also um, planning to resign with ESPN for ESPNW and continue my work there I really like what's been the best part of this sort of unexpected change this year is I got to hop off the roller coaster for a second and figure out what I actually wanted to do. I knew I wanted to get out of nightly radio, even though I liked the work. I just wanted to go to a happy hour or like a Bulls game at 7 p.m. or, you know, working for seven straight years till 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. every night. It's just such a different life, especially when you're doing two to three hours of radio on everything, because that means all day something happens that you have to know. So you never really stop working from the beginning of when you wake up till eight or 9 PM. And I just was kind of ready to be done with that. Also like the ephemeral reactions to things are fun, but they, 
they aren't as thoughtful. And so doing that for all those years and just being like, okay, we're going to talk about the NBA MVP four months in advance. And then we're going to react to this one play and this one quote and this one thing. And then it's gone forever. And it's not important. I kind of wanted to do more storytelling and more thought provoking stuff. And so that's what I'm looking around for now this past year. I did a whole bunch of gigs, some really fun ones. I, I interviewed Eli Manning and um, uh, Joe Montana for different like corporate conferences, it flew all over the country to do fun stuff like that. I went to Australia and New Zealand with Angel City and Gatorade for the Women's World Cup. Um, I just got to do more stuff that otherwise wouldn't have because of my contract or time. And so I'm trying to find that balance for this year too. So I can't reveal anything yet. I am in meetings with a bunch of places and um, trying to figure out what I missed about my old life and what I didn't miss and try to just pick the good stuff. That's so cool. I, I, I really wish like I could kind of have that similar um, like reset a little bit or just, you know, try to, you know, look back and think what I, I advise do. it if possible, but it is yeah. A little bit terrifying and easier <laughs> said than done. Um, thankfully, I managed to you know put together enough stuff this year, and I feel optimistic. But it is pretty scary after 13 years of just like here's your contract for the next four years, here's how much you're going to make, and here's what you're going to do, and that's it. To be like, oh, well, now I'm like a la carte person and bouncing around. But <laughs> I like massive shout outs to people like Levitard and Jamel Hill and like people that I loved from ESPN that went off to do their own thing and had great advice for me and said like, your identity is not ESPN. It's not the end of the world. If you're not working for them 24 seven, 365, which is what I had been doing forever for most of my mm -hmm. career. So that's a great point. Uh, we're going to get to some bears questions in a minute, but first, cool. um, Ryan mentioned it, obviously you were a part of the Chicago Red Stars ownership group for, I think a few years. Yeah. Um, first, what was, I mean, what was that experience like? And second, now having done it, do you maybe have a different viewpoint of other ownership groups? Like, you know, because we on the outside, people just want to say, oh, sell the team or ownership needs to yeah. do that. But in your opinion, has that changed? And you know, what, what's that oh, look like yeah. behind the curtain? Totally. Um, in a number of ways. Um, one of them I will say is like, I would occasionally be like, oh, shoot, like I'm the man now. Like I've made a career out of like criticizing the man and like they're not doing this right and do this and spend on this. And I was like, shit, that's me. Um, but like it, I tried to do it in the best ways, but then also like there's a couple of things. The biggest takeaways I would say, and I'm wearing my shirt from um, the beef, which I don't know if you guys are fans of that show. Sorry, the bear. Um, yes, but very much so. in this second season, this through line was people warning the, you know, the secondary main character, like figure out who you're working with, make sure you can trust who you're working with and who's partnering with you. And for me, that was writ so large when we had a conflict on our team with a coach that was toxic and it was not long into my ownership before players came to me and another female new owner to say that they had a problem with him. And I immediately went to our majority owner. We had meetings about it. We talked about how do we address this? When do we address this? How quickly? Who do we bring in? How do we make sure we're listening to the players? And um, ultimately, there was this massive, you know, chaos separation of ownership and leadership and who wanted to, in my opinion, handle it correctly and definitively and who wanted to try to kind of bury their heads in the sand and hope it would go away. I've been covering this stuff for years. It doesn't go away. The cover up is worse than the crime. Figure out what the problem is, deal with it, center the players, always make them the first thing, and then figure out how you can move forward and do things better. 
figure out what you need to put into place so you don't get into those situations again. And you know, so the biggest thing I learned was who are you in business with? And do you trust that when those situations come up, they're going to handle it right? Um, I don't think it was handled right. And it was especially frustrating for me because I was such a public facing part of the ownership group that people were blaming me for the actions of the team, despite the fact that I was behind the scenes trying to act very differently, which leads me to my second point, which is it sucks not being super rich and powerful. And I've never <laughs> cared that much about that before in life. I've always been like, I just want to be grateful for what I have. And I don't want to make decisions in my career based off of money. And I want to just like at every turn be like, is this going to actually make me happier and be a good use of my skills and be a good balance? Not, is this going to make me more rich and famous? And the Red Stars was the only time in my life that I really was like, I wish I was just filthy, stinking rich. And I had more influence and power to do things the right way and the way that I think they should be done. Um, because it was hard looking around the league and realizing the people who were in the most power were still just mostly middle-aged white dudes who had tons of money and had antiquated ideas about how things should be run and and didn't want to catch up to the present, which is a lot more accountability and a lot more care for for the players and who are, is in their, in their charge. Um, so then the final lesson for me was that it was a great learning opportunity and I made great connections to other teams and other people and other owners within the Red Stars, um, but that there has to be a better way to infiltrate the top level systems uh, across sports and other things um, than to simply always have it be a matter of uh, of money and power. But I don't know what I don't know what those ways are. So if anyone out there knows how to uh, how to beat the system that has existed literally forever and everywhere, uh, let me know, because I, I still would like to be involved and I'm trying to be involved in some ways around the league. But um it was pretty disappointing, but I learned a ton and made great connections. So I don't regret it at all. Um, but it is sad for me that, that, that ended up being the kind of the way it happened and, and the way we got bought out because there were drag rights. If the majority owner sold that we were allowed to be taken with them and bought out and he was forced to sell because of the investigations that the league had. So that was sort of the end of that for the rest of us too, even though we wanted to behave differently. Wow. Wow. What's yeah, it's like business school, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. I mean, that's real that's life lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating to hear your perspective, your lens specifically on both both of these tangible and intangible walls that you've faced. Mm -hmm. You know, both as a woman in broadcasting and sports, but then also as an owner, like you have a rich set of experiences. Mm -hmm. really cool. Well, and especially in that ownership, what was interesting is I learned a lot about, I've never had a real job. I like to joke because <laughs> I just get to do awesome sports stuff and I don't have to go into like meetings and talk about profits and losses. My husband and my friends like to play a fun game where they give me um, like words from real businesses. And then I try to guess what they mean. And I <laughs> never know what they are. Like one of them is like SOW, which I think I learned is scope of work or something like that. Anyway, I don't know any of that stuff. And so I went into these meetings feeling very like, oh, I'm going to learn so much from these incredible, successful and rich leaders in whatever field they're in. And then I ended up being like, this is my field. And I'm telling you how this goes and what's going to happen. And then every time it did, I was like, I told you guys, and this is not great that we didn't act on it. And now, and so it did give me the confidence and, and also like, as dumb as it sounds, being on around the horn, I just, I can argue and debate people. Yeah. I don't lose my temper. My parents are lawyers. My sister's a lawyer, my whole family. Like we, we, we want to logic and reason our way through things. And so we'd be in these tense owners meetings and they would be losing their shit. Sorry for swearing. And we would just be calmly sitting there like, guys, if we can't talk about this in an owner's meeting behind the scenes, 
how are we going to move forward and make sure that we prevent these things from happening in the future? If your egos are so big that you can't have an honest conversation when no one's watching, when we're just working on this behind the scenes. And there was just so much cover their own ass ego stuff. And um, that was really frustrating for me too. Um, so at, at least I feel really confident going into almost any room now and being like, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll be able to figure this out unless there's a lot of math, in which case I will not be fine <laughs> because I still suck at math. I was told there would be no math. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about our beloved, if you know, yeah. Sarah. speaking of difficult uh, organizational decisions, uh, <laughs> what is your take on Justin Fields? This one's tough. I have wavered on this pretty much all season. Um, I like Justin a lot as a person, as a player, the way he's handled himself in the city. Um, and I've seen so much positive in the last couple games. And I really feel like you look around at the way players react when coaching changes, when the players around them change. And it is so hard to get a read on actual quarterback skill, independent of the situation that they're in. And he hasn't been in a good one for most of his time here. That being said, I think he could be a starting quarterback in the league, but the Bears might be in too good of a position with the first pick to risk not moving on. And I think part of that is what we've seen from Luke Getze, in my opinion, is a guy who's running his system, not necessarily the system that best suits Justin. And Getze had a lot of success with that. But, I mean, if you look at, for instance, like the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady thing, <laughs> sometimes a really great player can mask that the system itself or the person, the coach, is not – the secret there. And so I don't know Getsy without Aaron Rodgers if he's the guy. But I do know that there have been a lot of times during the season where it felt like this system was, here's what I want to run. You try to figure it out as opposed to here's what I have to work with. And so if the assumption is that either Justin's going to have to start fresh all over again with a whole new set of coaches, which is tough to do here, or that they're going to retain some coaches who don't seem to want to work directly with what he's bringing to the table then I don't know that the Bears are the place for him to thrive. And if it were any other situation, and it wasn't these quarterbacks, May and Williams, that are super, 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 coming in super, super well-received, that people, some execs are saying, would go first last year as well, you know, in recent years would have topped every draft class, um, then it would be a tougher decision. But I, I think in the end you have to, you have to go – uh, with drafting a quarterback. Now, the real question is, do we have the flexibility to maybe hang on to Justin Fields instead of trading him so that you're not leaving yourself in a situation where if your draft pick either is not ready, you just see it in camp and you're going to destroy their future by putting them out there week one, or there's an injury and you've spent all this money and time putting together a team around them and now you're nothing because you lost the, the centerpiece and you go to a backup that really isn't anything. You know, I, th I think a lot of the really successful quarterbacks in recent years have learned behind someone or at least alongside someone that isn't just a forever backup. And there's some backups that have been great teachers. Like you see the guys that are able to make millions and millions of dollars with barely playing because they're like a second coach out there. I don't know that that's someone that the Bears are going to be able to get for whoever they draft. And, you know, I think interior people at that team are going to know whether Justin Fields is a guy that would step up to that opportunity or would be so frustrated that he was being replaced that he wouldn't end up being the kind of situation that would serve the, the pick. But I, I mean, I look at, I look at, you know, Mahomes and Rogers and all these guys that really had time to learn before they got thrown in there. 
And I don't know if even some great players like Trevor Lawrence and, um, you know, Herbert, you look at guys that you're so excited about, and then there starts to be some, some setbacks when the league gets to know them a little better. Um, I know I haven't really answered your question. I've just been dancing around it, but it's a really hard question. I, I, and I hate it because I like Justin so much and I wanted it to be easy. I wanted him to just blow our socks off, but I don't have a lot of faith in Eberflus. I think he's made the, the defense look better, but he's not the guy to me. I don't find him inspiring. He's blown a million games that they could have won. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to go another coach and then we're going to expect yet another coach to deal with a quarterback that wasn't his pick, that wasn't his guy, it might be better to just start fresh, which feels like we keep doing that. But it does feel like with polls, we're making progress in the midst of these changes, whereas before it was just like, oops, we screwed up again. Start over. Oh, no, oh, we're still bad. Start over. And this time I'm like, all right, I trust in polls. I do. I, I think that polls has shown me enough now to trust in his decision making and his talent, his eye for talent. And so with that in mind, you know, the coach is the most important thing. And I just don't think they've been good at finding the right guy for the job the last couple of years. I answered a lot of questions in there. and I'm, I, You you did, yeah. Sarah. And I just, one of the things most hotly contested, like shouting, like it got uncomfortable yeah. for other hosts uh, is when we we had the, the Eberflus conversation. Jack is kind of the captain of the Matt oh. Eberflus fan club. Uh, he's going to be so <laughs> mad that I said it that way. Uh, we love nuance on this podcast, but um, so, 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 so I guess the only question then, cause you kind of already answered that question is, do you see a way in which Matt Eberflus should be brought back next year? Or is it like, I'm out on this guy. There's no way that he can bring me back. Um, it's not a uh, Matt Nagy situation who, by the way, I liked Matt Nagy the first year. Of course we all did. He was coach of the year and he was really exciting. And then it was like, Oh, everybody figured you out and you got no more tricks in your bag, but the wise. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not that situation, but I just, I've not, there's no, it doesn't feel like there's passion there. And I know that like the eye test on does the guy get fired up is not a good one for how, how good of a coach he is, but I just, there's so much exciting thought provoking, different, smart coaching in the league. When you look around to some of the best young guys, and that's not what I'm getting here. I want an offensive minded coach. That's, I mean, we can't solve our quarterback problems if we keep making our head man a defensive guy, unless we really think Luke Getze is the mastermind. And, and even then I just, I want to, I want to see what this team does with an offensive minded head coach. Um, the problem is I don't know that this is the year for like the wonderkin that everybody is looking for, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like throw a tantrum if Eberflus is back, but I just think you're prolonging the inevitable if you do that. And the bears have a tendency to hang on too long due to loyalty instead of being able to see a problem and move on from it. Um, and especially if you're going to bring in a new quarterback, like try to figure out who makes the most sense there. I don't think that's going to be Flus. Sorry, Captain Flus over there. I'm not Captain <laughs> So you're not excited, Jack. You're not excited about having Sarah Spain. Yeah, on wow. Show, which is Maybe no eye for talent. Is that what we found out? <laughs> oh, wow. She's wow. taking shots. Let's go, Sarah. You come back anytime you want. You add some fuel to the fire. All right. So since you already you already answered a question about about Ryan Poles, let, let's talk just your your biggest pleasant surprise this season, right? The the they've doubled yeah. their win total. Some people think that that's that that's means to keep Matt Eberflus. Right. What what is the thing that you're most pleasantly surprised for this season? It's, it's sort of a sad uh, declaration of my faith in this 
than this team, but I genuinely thought they were going to be moronic enough to grab Montez Sweat and then not sign him to an extension. And I was like, what the hell are we doing here? And then they did. And I was like, oh my God, they, they got a good guy. He's playing well. And then they kept him. Wow. Like it's, <laughs> it's obvious, but a novel I, idea. There was a stretch there where we were like, oh shit, they're just going to let him go though. And then he's going to get scooped up by someone else. So um, I would say sweat. I mean, just so fun to watch. And it's been a little while, um, you know, the, I want to say probably the Khalil Mack days when you had a guy that you really felt like the scaring opposing quarterback. So that's been cool. All right. On the flip side, biggest disappointment. There are many. Um, <laughs> Besides Eddie Jackson. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go with like a, a lesser than like not as much big picture, but just like I was excited at the beginning of the year and I was kind of like, huh, Darnell Mooney. And, and I don't know yeah. that it's his fault. I don't think they're drawing up the right place for him. He's obviously had a couple opportunities that didn't go his way, which is a bummer, but I'm not blaming him so much as it's just like, I feel like there was an opportunity there to use those guys the way that at times like the bills have used like Davis and Diggs, or the way we've seen, you know, the, the dolphins be able to use Tyreek sometimes as a decoy. And I just, I thought that there was talent there and the ability. And I think he did too, which is sad at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of hope for him and it just hasn't really been much anything. So that's been disappointing. And how about your thoughts on the remainder of the season, uh, hot Lana and green Bay. Are you, somebody that wants to see us lose out for securing draft positions? Do you want to see yeah. us continue to string some wins together to progress the franchise? Where, where are you yeah, I'm usually that, that like lame optimistic person. That's like, I don't want them to lose and get used to losing. I, you know, I'm, I'm like the enjoy things now and pay for it later. And then later I'm like, Oh, that would have been a good draft pick to have. Hmm. <laughs> I like don't revise my thinking in, in the moment. Um, and I'm going to be that person again. Like, I think that this team needs to start behaving like they believe that they will be a good team. And that requires going out and trying to win hard games and going out and actually having that feeling. Um, and I remember talking to, I, I want to say it was Sam Acho when he came over to the bears. And I just said like, what's the biggest difference? I'm fascinated by why some teams are perpetual losers and other teams can go through different ownership coaches, quarterbacks, and still have this like through line of success. And one of the things he said was just the way that the franchise seems to expect to lose or be okay with losing. And when he got to the bears, he was shocked how much it was just sort of like, well, that's kind of, you know, we're not very good. <laughs> right. And that was a real bummer, but not surprising. And I think mm -hmm. there's a real, truth to that and if you want to take a bunch of this team that you've put together and expect them to be the ones that you win with next year then you gotta you gotta get in that mindset i think now and i also think obviously the panthers have done us a huge solid by just sucking so hard that we know we're <laughs> gonna have that and then it's like you either have a pick you really want to make with the bears pick or you can use that to get more picks further down you could trade it away and just and just get a couple guys so i think and again, what'll happen is they'll win and we'll be like, yay, good job. And then we'll get to the draft and we'll be like, oh, that two spots up, we would have gotten this thing instead of, you know. But for right now, I guess without being able to see the future, I would rather see them finish strong um, for two, for all the reasons I just said. And also like either if they decide to stick with Justin, got to get him in a winning mindset now, or if they don't and they want to trade him, got to make him really, you know, attractive to other teams so you get more from that. Um so, yeah, 
I'm, uh, you know, I'm an athlete. I, I, it's really hard for me mm-hmm. to want people out there risking their lives quite literally in football um, to lose. Well, in this, yeah. And this is such a young team that many of them are going to be back next year. And I remember we, we interviewed former bear safety cam Worrell, who was one of like a, one of the special team greats during the love of years. And he told us a story about how he went to Miami uh, in 2007, which was the one in 15 year. And he's like, the culture was so different because in Chicago, everyone was like locked in from beginning to end. And he's like in October and November, guys were already making their January vacation plans and there was nothing. So he's like, that does matter. And that's always stuck with me when it comes to players wanting to play hard for the entire season and trying to instill that winning culture. So I'm, I'm glad you're with that because it is, it is tough when you're looking at the draft the next year and you're like, Wow, Aaron Donald went one pick before the right. Bears. That would have been right. nice. Right. I mean, not that they would have picked him anyway. I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> with polls, we can actually think like, oh man, we could have gotten that guy. We would have taken him too. In the past, it was like, oh, we wouldn't have taken him. We would have found someone who can jump out of a pool. Ooh. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, blessing. also, I want to see more Cairo Santos dancing in a Christmas blazer. Yes. I yes. probably won't be Christmas again. The time, you know, the season will pass, but whatever dancing we can get out of Cairo in the future, like, I'm here for that. I want more of that. I like the celebratory, even though I don't think it's club dub anymore in my heart, it will always be club dub. So I want more of that. <laughs> the The special teams unit is a vibe. Pim, Patrick oh, yeah. Scales, Trenton Gill, like those yeah. guys, I, I want to party with those guys. Yeah, well, I don't think, based on my limited interaction with Pat Scales, I don't think he parties a lot, but um, <laughs> we, I want to say, I was doing an interview, just talking about, like, he likes romantic comedies, he doesn't watch sports, he's an interesting cat, a different cat, yeah. but um, but yeah, no, I like that they are so united, they're such, like, a squad, those three, they're fun. Yeah, um, so we talked a little bit about former Bears, and uh, you've interviewed a ton of people in the past. I know you used to do a show with Robbie Gold. So, what's maybe what's your favorite like Bears related media moment? Could be an interview, could yeah. be just like yeah. a moment that you were covering a game. What stands out to you? I just did one show with Robbie when he was trying to figure out if he wanted to do a podcast, but I would like him to get in the media and I've already told him as much. I think he'd be good. He's got a lot of opinions. Um, that's tough. I mean. I guess media moment is different because like my top moment was when I was at the Super Bowl and Devin Hester returned the opening kickoff and I thought I was going to blow a vein in my head and I thought they might win. And then that quickly dissipated, but it was awesome at the time. Um, Man, I don't even know. You know, one of, it's just a silly one, but Peanut Tillman's one of my all-time favorite players. And when I first got to Chicago and I was working for this small startup website, he was doing a charity event. Um, flag football game with some teammates and he was such a generous awesome guy to the media that instead of doing a quick media interview with like he does did with everybody else like what does it mean to you to have your teammates support you and what's this cause I mic'd him and myself both up and it was when they were trying to have Devin Hester be the number one wide receiver which all of fame first ballot (laughs) but not as a receiver and so I pretended like I was trying out to be on the receiving core and had peanut you know tell me a route and then throw me the ball and then I told him to just mercilessly make fun of me and it was just such a fun shoot of us playing around together because he's such a funny guy and I you know I did the whole second city improv and like would come to these interviews trying to get guys to be more playful and show their personality and he was so quick so I don't know that was like years and years ago but it was just a really fun one and also it, it was really hard at the beginning of my career so having players like that that would go out of their way to like do fun stuff and make me feel welcome and respect me was like really big deal so I always have a soft spot in my heart for for peanut. 
Sarah, we know your time is incredibly valuable. Is it okay if we hit you with a few just like yes. quick hitter questions? Because we, we, yes, we don't want to really keep you too long. keeping me from writing, which is fine. <laughs> done All right. So we've got some quick hitters for you. And hopefully we could just do a little bit of rapid fire. You ready to roll? Okay. Yes. All right. So your current favorite Chicago bear. Ooh, it's too hard. That's mean. <laughs> um. This is a weird thing because I just said I want to move on with him, but I Justin Fields still my guy. I love him. He's got such yeah, good swag. It's a, it's a great answer. Yeah. Your Reese's ranking, your top three Reese's, right? So, so you go the classic. Do you do you you know the the white chocolate version? What are your top three? I only got top two. I go classic Reese's and I go Reese's pieces. I don't that's mess cool. with any other ones. I mean, you can make it shaped like a tree if you want, but that's really just a classic in a different shape. I don't need it. I don't want white chocolate. I don't really need, you know what I don't even like is like when they like, I don't even know if this is a real Reese's or a knockoff. It's like double stuffed or something. It's too much. It's too much. Just the OG. Okay. This is another one that has been hotly contested upon Ooh. this podcast. So Oreos, do you go the golden, the classic or other? Other. Oh, best Oreo which is in fact one of the best cookies of all time and is better than the thin mint which potentially inspired it is the oreo thin mint hmm. if hmm. you have not had it it's bomb i don't know <laughs> if that's actually i think it's just called oreo mint but it's the thin kind so the cookies thinner and the stuffing's thinner and you can just pop them like like Tic Tacs. They're delicious. <laughs> I only get them once a year for my Christmas party. And then I put most of them out so that I'm not responsible for eating an entire container. But I usually hide <laughs> like half of a sleeve side in the corner for the next day when I'm hungover. And then I get to go to town. <laughs> so, okay. You didn't start any fights there. That's awesome. Good, good. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but it, but, it, but you didn't. Okay. Best okay. deep dish in Chicagoland. Ooh. It's, um, it's Eduardo's, which most people don't know. And Eduardo's used to be more locations and it was E-D-W-A-R-D-O. And then inexplicably, they opened up Eduardo's Enoteca, E-D-U. Well, I can't spell right now. E-D-U-O-R-D-O. Anyway, the point is it's Eduardo's. It's the best. It's so good, but it's harder to find. So then Malnati's, which is the easier one to find after that. But if you've never had Eduardo's, it's amazing. And if you look on the menu online, you probably won't even see it. You'll be like, they don't even do deep dish. But then you go there and they do and you take it home with you. Mm. Okay. I Best Chicago food. Best Chicago food. It, it can be like, you know, from a specific restaurant. It can be anything that you want to oh, say. My gosh, that's impossible. <laughs> that's like the meanest question I've ever gotten in my whole life. <laughs> Jack wrote it. No. No. <laughs> It's always you. Um, gosh. Oh my, okay. I'm because I don't have uh, hours, and neither do you or anyone watching. If there is indeed anyone still watching, um, to for me to like run through all these, I'm going to go with the two things that just immediately popped into my head. One is the Garrett's Chicago mix of yes. caramel mm -hmm. and cheese popcorn. Excellent. That stuff is just straight crack, and it is delicious. I've never had crack, <laughs> but I'm just using that. <laughs> um, uh, also. Um, there's a restaurant called Sealy Cory in Wicker Park, also mm. known as Thai Village, if you order online. And they have a Penang veggie curry that I just like crave all the time. So those popped into my head, even though there's a million other ones. I mean, there's, you know, there's just some really good like ice cream places. And God, it's too many. That's a mean question. 
<laughs> I'm going to let Jack ask this question because Hello. when we saw you at, at Smartless, we wanted to come and say hi, but we also Hello. didn't want to be, oh, hi, we're fanboys, and, and interrupt you in the middle of your friendships and, and also that sort yeah. of stuff. You shut yeah, up. I, I, we, we tweeted at you and you tweeted back, which was really nice. Okay. Um, I saw that you posted the uh, the Santa episode, which I haven't listened to yet. But what, I wasn't what going to. What's I that? wasn't going to. And then it was one of those things where I was like doing something with my hands. And so my pod just rolled into that one. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll just check it out. And it's so good. It's a it's a voice you're going to recognize immediately. Okay. And it is all improv between all of them. And it's just hilarious. It's so good. I want to ask you, like, I, I would personally love it if Jason Bateman was one of my close personal friends. Like yes. if I could just text him whenever <laughs> yeah. I wanted to text him. But what is it that you love about Smartless? Okay. Well, first of all, I feel that way about Jason Bateman, but I want to tell you that I already loved Will Arnett so much. And then now, like I want to be close personal friends with Will Arnett. And also he follows me on Twitter and Instagram and has messaged me Ooh. back a few times, nice. which is like legit. <laughs> um, also slight name drop only because it's a really funny story is after that episode of Smartless, if you remember, there were two tapings. There was the early and the late. And we got, um, what's his face? Uh, Andy, Andy Ricker. Ricker yeah. And so my friends that came from the Burbs were like, let's grab a bite after the early show. So we're next door. And my friend who works at House of Blues and for a bunch of ticket stuff messaged me. And he's like, oh, the late guest is Mark Cuban, I heard. I was like, oh, cool. So I know Mark Cuban randomly from Facebook messaging him in 2008 to ask if he was going to buy the Cubs. And then we started <laughs> talking and then I took him to Elm Street Liquors and we drank 40 ounces in brown bags awesome, and like just ended up going across different bars across town. And like, we've been friends ever since. So I texted him and I was like, Hey, I heard you're in town. Like, if you want to grab a drink after your show, like, let me know. And he's like, absolutely. Let me know the place. I'm like, I know what you're going to say, but dive or nice. And he was like, dive. So I took Cuban to Rossi's. Now, the thing, if you guys don't know Rossi's, it's like a liquor store and a bar and it's full dive, like full, full dive. And this was like kind of COVID-y times. We had masks for the show and all that. Yep. So he had a car service, of course, and we were walking from the Chicago theater to Rossi. So he beat us there and they wouldn't let him in because he didn't have ID with him, presumably because he took a private plane. So doesn't need to show ID. So he didn't have it with him. And they were like, we don't know if you're, you're vaccinated or whatever else. So he was sitting in his car and then we like grab him. And I tell my friend from the ticket thing, I'm like, can you just say you're his agent or something? Or we'll figure something out to get this bouncer to let him in. And then, of course, the bouncer, like when we come up, realizes who it is because all these kids selling chocolates on the street are trying to get Mark to give them money and asking him if the Mavs are going to make any trades at the deadline. So, like, now the bouncer's like, oh, it is who I thought it was. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, I'll let you in, even though I'm not supposed to, but you got to take a picture with me. And Cuban's like, yeah, sure, fine. The guy's wearing a t shirt, this bouncer in the photo that says, I love the taste of P word. <laughs> but it's spelled out. So amazing. <laughs> Cuban's like, cool. Then we go in and we're, you know, we have a blast and it's so much fun. But I, so I actually messaged when they ran those episodes, I messaged Arnett and I was like, funny story for you right after that show, we took Mark to this dive bar and he ends up in like a photo with this bouncer wearing this shirt and they weren't going to let him. Anyway, light name drop, but worth it. Cause it was funny. Um, what do I love about the show? It is extremely joyful. I love their genuine friendship with each other. I love the way they like, Raz on each other, but you could tell they really love each other. And I love the insights into 
the relationships they have with these famous people, sometimes my inner interviewer kicks in and I'm like, holy shit, get to the question. Like one of my <laughs> least favorite episodes that really stood out was when they had David Byrne on. It was just a disaster. Land the and plane. Like, Land the I plane. love Jason Bateman, but he ruined that. Like he, I think he was just so excited that it was like, you could just, it couldn't follow and you didn't get anything good out of him. And I know he's a fascinating dude. So I wanted them to redo that. But um, yeah, I mean, especially when I need a good mood lifter, I save some episodes so that if I'm like in dire straits, like I just watched a bunch of actual news or like scrolled on my feed and realized that the world is a disaster. I'm like, smartless. Like I need you guys right now. I never realized how quick witted Will Arnett is. So smart. Until I started yeah. listening to it and it is, it's masterful. He is yeah. the simplest, the simplest stuff that his brain, like you're just, it's so good. Yeah. Um, did you watch Murderville with him? Cause it was a bit, I found it exceedingly entertaining, but I'm also an improv person. Okay. And like when Marshawn Lynch was, <laughs> did you watch that episode? I can only imagine. I've not it seen that. So, he was really good, but also he was Marshawn Lynch. So like anytime, <laughs> if you don't know the, the concept, it's like a, Someone gets murdered and Will Arnett's the only person who knows the script. Well, everyone knows it except for the guest. So, of course, Marshawn has to improv and react to everything. And almost every word was just boss. <laughs> I got you, boss. Or you know it, boss. Like, just, he's just good. And that's a funny friendship. Um, I think I'm supposed to say favorite episode. I don't have one. They're all amazing. But I have a least favorite one, and it's David Byrne. Okay, good to know. I actually live kind of in the town that Sean Hayes grew up in. And so there's this oh, big like picture of him like on the walls and downtown. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they can make his dad abandoning him funny oh, every yeah. time. Every yeah. time. You're genius. Every time. What what town is that? Can you reveal your location? Yeah. So it's Glen Ellen. Glen Ellen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chicago Burbs for sure. Yeah. 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 Cause All I right. love when he had Melissa McCarthy on and they talked about going to the goth bar together that just closed. It just announced it's closing. Yeah. And this last one isn't a question as much as it is. Can you just tell your dogs that we said hi? We are all uh, dog owners and dog lovers here. And seriously, your your Instagram, like one of the reasons that I follow you the most is because of your dogs. And I Thank just you. need you to know that. Yeah, um, well, Fletch came in and tried to say hi. I don't know if you heard that at the beginning, uh, but Fletch opened the door that was closed and I forgot <laughs> to click the little thing to lock it and tried to come in and say hi. But he didn't enjoy our conversation, apparently, because he didn't stick It's probably around. my fault. Yeah, I'm going Captain Fluce. Yeah, Captain <laughs> Fluce is going to stick, by the way. Thank you that for that. That is absolutely going to stay. Oh, it's a man. Captain with a P apostrophe N. <laughs> Captain Fluce. Captain. Sarah, Spain, we are so grateful for your time. We're so thankful to have oh, you on the show. Um, please tell us that there's somehow some way we can get you to come back some other for time sure. when maybe your schedule will allow it. Yeah, this was super fun. You guys do a great job. You're very organized. It's awesome. I'd be happy to come back. I always have to uh, dip one toe in the water just to make sure before I agree to things like this. I had one guy <laughs> once who kept me for two hours and didn't oh. know anything about me. And I was like, at any point, how do I get in and just get out of here? <laughs> oh, <it's true. laughs> you, guys are, uh, you guys are great. I'll definitely come back. Thank you so much, Sarah. Seriously, get out of here. Have a wonderful rest of your, uh, your New Year's is coming up. Have a great yeah. New Year's. Thanks. You Absolutely. too. Enjoy. See you guys. Care, Thanks, Sarah. Sarah. That was a lot of fun. Dude, Brendan, I know you got to go. You, you got to go. Yeah, I got to go. I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump out. Um, yeah, I got to go to a wedding, but great. Ryan, great job. Awesome job booking it. Uh, that was so fun. Um, I will see you and Captain Floos later. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> see you, Brendan. Enjoy the wedding. I, uh, just give me a second, dude. Really uh, cool, man. We have had some 
amazing guests. Let, let, let's like, we've had Tom Waddle, Mark Silverman, Mark Grody, right? Like uh, you and I had a chance to, to interview um, Gary Fensick, Gary Fensick. I had a chance to talk to the bears, Adrian Peterson. This is uh, Adam rank, Adam so rank, fun. who yeah. is hysterical and amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to have any disrespect to those guys. This has got to be my favorite interview that we've ever done. She is just, she's amazing. It was amazing. There's a thing about being from Chicagoland that she just personifies, obviously, because she grew up, you know, in Lake Forest and in the Chicago area. But, but I don't know. There's that plain spoken um, love for, stop it, love for Chicago sports teams, uh, she talked about like logical thinking, just like wanting to have things explained to you. That's something, you know, Ryan, you and I talk about all the time. We're, we're very much like that. We don't, we don't need to be right. We just like to have a conversation and we like to talk about logical things. And that's, I don't know, they're, they're, from deep dish to, you know, uh, she is like, she's feels like one of us, which I think makes it just more enjoyable to have her, have her on. You know, dude, I, I, I don't like to be the toot our own horn person, but to hear her say that she would absolutely come back, that she had fun, and that we were organized. Like we take this really seriously. I, I wore a collared shirt today, not because of this episode, <laughs> because I have family in town. But, mm-hmm. but I just, you know, I was just thinking about it. Like, you know, getting first of all, getting her on the show was not an easy thing to do. You know, she is insanely busy, but, but. Once we finally got a, a contact with her and she said, let's do it. I would just like, we were overjoyed to, mm-hmm. to have her on the show. Um, it, you know, it never felt beneath her in any way, shape or form. And I just, I, I appreciated that very, very much. And I know a lot of you um, are at work, supposed to be at work um, or, you know, staying up way too late uh, for our UK, uh, UK friends. Um, and we just, it, it means a lot that you would hang out with us. We have some people that we have to thank really, really quick. That is really, really important that, that help this thing move. The first one I have to thank is Jeff Cadwallader. So, so some of you already know this, Jeff has been with us since the very, very beginning. When we were the, the bear down report, Jeff was our first sponsor. Um, and he has stuck with us through this whole thing. And it's not just that he's a sponsor. He's a truly amazing guy. I bought and sold a house with Jeff. And I'm telling you, like, he anticipated every single question that I had. He, he, he thought of things that I never would have thought about. And he just, he held my hand, like, to the, like, he, he's like a nice warm hug through the entire thing. Um, never pushy. And just, we took a long time to decide that we were going to buy. And what I'm telling you is if you're in the Chicagoland area and you are even thinking about it, right, Jeff Cadwallader is your guy. Now it's not even just, you know, com- uh, sorry, it's not even just home ownership, it's business owner. If you're an investor, right? If you're willing, if you're looking to buy, or sell or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is our guy cuz he's he's your guy cuz he's our guy. So give him a call, give him a text, Jeff Cadwalder with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit genevajeff.com. It's funny now, Ryan, my kids will just say, like, hey, dad, did you get your beard shaped up? Well, where did you go? And I just break into Sheridan's Barbershop located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years with six barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137. Also, you can go to their new gig, their new digs, I should say, in, in Naperville. Uh, Hensel's Barbershop is located in downtown Naperville. 
Uh, that's been there since 1966. They've got six barbers there. Uh, Hensel's is open Tuesday through Saturday. You can walk in if you want, or you can book an appointment. If you want to book one, you can go online to henselsbarbershop.com and make sure you uh, use like us as a, a lead in, like, hey, we're big fans of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. Ask for Will, um, head to Sheridan's, head to Hensel's, where traditional meets modern. We have another now, sponsor as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Jack, I was just going to say, like, I want I want to lead up to this is this is super big for us is a is a big deal um, th- with them opening up the new restaurant, Miskatonic Brewery Brewing. I, I keep messing this up. Brewery, brewery. That's a tough word to say, but yeah. Miskatonic beer is freaking phenomenal beer. And I'm so excited about this one. That's all I wanted to say before you 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 spread the word. Yes. And again, I mentioned this at the end of our last episode, which was like really well received. So thank you to everybody out there. But what is unique, I think, is we don't have just rando sponsors. Like we know Jeff personally. Uh, we know Will personally. You've done, you know, gigs at Miskatonic and we've held parties there. I mean, we know the, these people. So if you're in the, the area, owner, which we know yeah. not all of you are, but if you're in the area, these are good people. They really are great businesses. Um, Josh, the owner of Miskatonic Brewery is as good a guy as it can possibly be. If you go to Miskatonic, so, so that's at their, uh, it is, sorry, Jack, I don't have the address right in front of me. Do you have the address? Yeah, it's 47 East Chicago Avenue. So it's their new Naperville location. You go and check out some of their phenomenal food. Let them know the guys, the Bear Down Chicago podcast sent you, uh, they may give you a, huh? at first and then they'll tell josh the owner and and he'll he'll just he'll be be happy and seriously their beer is so good i i know there is a lot of good beer in chicagoland i think they've got some of the best brewery yes bruja seven brewery brewer brewery (laughs) brewery all right so uh first of all i'm just going to keep this up every time you talk now so for our audio only listeners it's captain Captain Flus uh, is is Jack. There were so many good things that she said uh, that I just like am trying to rush like through in my head, and and there were things that were measured and taken. What was the your biggest takeaway from from Sarah Spain's uh, time with us? Well, I mean, I do think it's an interesting insight, especially when you talk about what Brendan said and with our interview with Cam Morrell, and then like cross-reference that with her anecdote about, was it Sam, o- Sam Ocho? Sam. Sam Ocho. Ocho, thank you. Um, not, not, not Ocho Cinco. Not Ocho Cinco. Yeah, I've got to do that at least once a show now. I think it's like I have a patent on it. Um, that saddens me a little bit. It's not surprising in some way. And what I'm referencing is Sarah just talking about how there's this um, a vibe almost, you know, or an expectation of losing that maybe isn't like similar to other organizations that have an expectation of winning regardless of coaches and players, they have obviously dynasties. We know who those teams are and that's not the bears, unfortunately. Um, and I, it just, that really struck me. It's a downer and we've like seen really two tough seasons and a lot of tough seasons in our time as bears fans. And I, I just genuinely hope that that, that that changes for the better in our lifetime that I think I'd love for us to be able to enjoy a dynasty here in Chicago. I'd love for my friends like you to see it. I'd love for our other hosts to see it. I'd love for my kids to see it, your daughters to see it. Like, I mean, we've always been big fans of this team, but it would be really fun to be fans of this team doing extraordinarily well at what they do. 
I think it is pretty clear that the McCaskies genuinely want to win, that it is genuinely important for them to win. I think Virginia is pissed, right? That this team is, has had the drought that it has. I just think that that culture of losing has permeated and you, you, you kind of lose sight of like, well, where have we gone wrong and how do we, how do we fix it? How do you get yourself out of it? And then, while I agree, and we've talked about this endlessly on this podcast, that things are are more than likely headed in the right direction, I don't know that I trust this organization to win a championship within my lifetime. And I, I hope with all my heart that I am absolutely wrong about that. Same. I hope so, too. They have clearly have a track record of not getting it right. So I think you and other fans are well within your rights to be sus as the kids would say. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think, uh, I know that there were some, some questions out there from some of our listeners that we just didn't get to just peeling back the curtain. When, anytime you have a really, really big guest, you try to be very respectful of their time. We went over her schedule and while she said it was not a big deal, we just, you know, we don't know all the things that she has going on and, and we're really sorry that I know that there were some good questions. You know, I just want to put this out here is, I've been thinking a lot, a lot about the Caleb Williams question. And I asked two, two people that I think are really smart, especially when it comes to the college game. So that's Jacob Infante and Berlissimo. Both of those guys do a phenomenal job. And so I asked both of them, like, Caleb Williams, I don't see generational talent. Tell me what you see. And I got two slightly different answers. Both said that the word generational talent is – is not what they would use to describe him though. Jacob seemed to be much more excited about, uh, um, sorry, Caleb Williams as, as a potential new bears quarterback where Barrelissimo was kind of like, Hey, he had some good reads and a whole lot of meh. And that's kind of what I was thinking about. And especially with their backup, just lighting it up in their, in, in, in their bowl game that they just had. It really speaks to a system that is set in play, receivers that are set into play that really makes me go, maybe Caleb Williams isn't the guy. I I don't know, dude. Where are you at this week today on that? Yeah, it's such a, I mean, to me, it's such a perplexing situation because you can talk out of like you can argue both sides in the same breath almost, right? Like one side of your might be, well, how do we pass up on two straight drafts of quarterbacks without drafting a quarterback? And then, you know, we've done, we've gone through all the other nuance. I'll tell you, I'll say the same thing that, like I said, for instance, with um, Jalen Carter, right. Where um, people were like so high on him last year. And so I just went, so I'm not as big of a college fan as a lot of people are. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to watch as much film and learn as much as I humanly can about Jalen Carter. And then at the end of it, I was like, meh, I, I don't, meh. I don't really see it. So I think I would probably be in a similar situation with Caleb Williams because I think I would be talking on a turn uh, if I expressed any real knowledge of his overall capacity as a quarterback. Um, but I will watch the film and I'll, I'll have time to break it down. Obviously when the se- season's over, uh, obviously my analysis isn't anywhere near what polls and the guys that are in the room uh, 100% will have, but, but I do want to have a better sense if, if it's going to be a real viable potential that we draft him. I'd like to see him and know more about him and watch more film, honestly. So that's the thing. I just want to, Matt Vanderzanen, who's been with us almost every show. Matt, thank you so much. We appreciate you. For Caleb Williams, I don't see the leadership in him too entitled for me. I think that's the biggest knock. We have talked a lot last like three weeks about Justin Fields' leadership. So you have a guy that probably will read the field better, but has just as big a problem fumbling 
and isn't the leader, you know, so, so that, that, that it's tough. It's really, 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 really tough. Um, I, I, I'm excited to watch this week's game to see what they do in Atlanta, to see what happens. I think we're going to continue to ask a lot of those same questions about Matt Eberflus, about Justin Fields to see where this is going. It was interesting to hear, you know, them talking, do you start benching people? They asked of Brad Biggs this morning on 670, the score. And he said, who are you going to bench? you know, or, and who are you putting up? So Jatiri Carter was one of the names that was like, Hey, give him some more chances. And I totally agree with that one, right? The offensive line. I mean, it's just Cody Whitehair's not that great. Lucas Patrick, not fantastic. So let's, let's see what else he can do through the rest of the season. I know we want to see Eddie Jackson benched, but who are you going to play in his place for the next two weeks? Right. They're, you play Hicks. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't see them doing that. So, yeah. So, so with that, um, we're just going to put this out here, folks. It is New Year's Eve. The Bears are playing on New Year's Eve. We will not be having a podcast uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, just there's, there's a lot of other things going on, but we absolutely positively will be meeting after the, the Green Bay game. So much to talk about with that one, Jack. I just, it is, I, I like to be nuanced and I like to be uh, thoughtful in my approach. And I, and I fully ad- ready to admit this is that uh, when it comes to green Bay, I, I'm not rational at all. I'm in a fan, which is a fanatic of this team. And uh, it just my, it hurts my heart. Like I, I don't care about draft position, beat green Bay and it's not going to happen. At least that's, that's what I think in my heart. And that, that hurts me. I appreciate, you know, like our friend, Tim Johnson, who's like, I don't care if we only win two games. If they're Green Bay, I'm happy with that. I appreciate, you know, the Lovey Smith era where it was like right out of the gate, we have one goal and that is to beat Green Bay. I, I do appreciate like that sentiment 100%. And I would love to see us um, begin to turn the tide on that because um, overall the, the, the matchup like in terms of uh, storied franchises is relatively even, isn't it? Or at least it was. Um, so you're talking about bears and Packers. Yeah. They've, they've, the Packers finally swung it uh, to their way. The bears had led it for, for forever. And then over the last, I want to say four years, if Brennan was here, he would know off right. the top of his head because he's an encyclopedic knowledge of the Chicago yeah. bears. Uh, but I want to say it was in the last four years that we've done a lot of losing to that team up there uh, that, that it's finally swung in their direction. We got to flip that back. Let's do it. That would be wonderful. Jack, we got to get out of here. I got to get back to my family. And uh, I know you got to get ready for your trip out of here. So that's pretty awesome. Yes. Um, let's let's do shout outs. Uh, Jack, do you have any shout outs for this week? Uh, definitely want to shout out, you know, Sarah. We're just so thankful for her coming on. Shout out to you, Ryan, for uh, getting her on the show. That was a huge get. Uh, congratulations on that. That was awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, she 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 was awesome to go to, to email back and forth. And I just very, very thankful for Sarah Spain. I have a couple of people that I need to thank. First is Ryan Badgley. Ryan Badgley is, used to run a Bears podcast and did a phenomenal job, but he's, he's just kind of taken a back seat to it. Um, and he's retweeted this episode and that was awesome. So uh, Badge, thank you. Nicole Pinter or Pinter. Nicole, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm, I'm guessing. Pinter. Um, she retweeted this one as well. And we've had some good back and forth. So Nicole, thank you. And then obviously Berlissimo and Jacob Infante. Um, I know they're getting that the Caleb Williams question a lot. And so they took time to answer it for all of you who that are hanging out with us. If this is your first episode for the bear down Chicago podcast, 
thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. We have some awesome guests coming up that we're very excited about. We, we usually record every night, uh, seven 30 Chicago time on Sunday after the games, uh, unless it's a Monday night game or something else along those lines. If you like this episode, you can hit a like, you can hit a subscribe. You can follow us wherever you find us on social media. You can share this with a friend. It means so very much to us. There are so many bears places to get your content out there and you've chosen to hang out with us. We're thankful. Right, Jack? Anything else? No, you said it, buddy. Absolutely. For all of us here at the Bear Down Chicago podcast, that's Logan Bradley, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagru, Jack Wright. I'm Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so much. And as always, Bear Down Chicago. Bear Down Chicago.